Testing. Testing. Hey guys, it's Will and Keith. I'm Keith. And I'm Will. And I'm Will. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you are amazing. This podcast is amazing. The, the microphone just just set itself on fire. I love this podcast already. <laughs> Will and Keith embrace the process. <laughs> Testing. <laughs> this is where we perform our theme song. Three, two. Embracing the process is what Will and Keith do. Oh, ba do ba ba do ba ba ba. Beat up. Beat up that boo. Great. That was beautiful. It was. Hey, nice to see you, Will. Uh, I said a minute ago, but I'll say it again for the fans. You <laughs> look really cool. Wait, put the shades back on, would you? Oh, I gotta just, put the shades for back on. For just a second. You can yeah, take yeah. them off just a second. Okay. You look super cool right now. Really? Yep. He I, has a, a sort of. A hoodie, scarf, vintage ski hat, uh-huh. shade combo. This is just the most utilitarian outfit that I could possibly put on. I was just afraid of being cold. I guess I'm a terrible judge, actually. So. <laughs> no, I mean, I believe you. But I'm to me... perfectly willing. I've not looked in a mirror. I'm perfectly willing to believe that I look cool for perhaps the first time in my life. You look like a guy who could nonchalantly be doing just about anything in Thank the you. fall or winter or... <laughs> You know, I am wearing it's. It is sort of a a workman's hoodie. It has a workmanlike character yeah. to it. You could be like on set right now. Oh yeah. You know, I offset, look. in between <laughs> sets. That's how versatile I am, baby. Just come and go, get it all done. Well, I'm glad I'm presenting the illusion of some form of competence. Uh, I, I think uh, I think I may have no useful skills whatsoever. But it's uh, it's mo- mostly about how you look. I think. I think so too. Pouring the coffee. I hope uh, hope the microphone's picking this up. Pouring a little bit of coffee there. And the, the wind. We're outside. The wind is kicking the steam up in a Ooh. in a whirlwind of aroma. Wow, you're such an esthete today. Everything is beautiful to you. <laughs> Are you on drugs? Uh, I haven't slept much the past two days. Oh, nice. As I mentioned, Ula, my baby daughter. Uh, is having a vaccine reaction. Oh. Um, so she's been hovering somewhere between 100 degrees and the upper 102s. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope she feels better soon. I, she's doing mostly fine, but the sleep has been elusive the past two days. and It's taxing. You have to choose which cup you want. We have the Campbell's Soup Cup. You've seen this cup. I'm in love with it. It's one of my favorites. We exchange uh, texts. I got it at the flea market, and there actually was a fun story that came with it. You know, it was three bucks, and I was like, this is great. It's a great deal. It's a cool little mug. It's vintage. I love it. And uh, and the guy was like, yeah, one time a dude came. He was an heir to the Campbell's Soup Empire, and he wanted to buy one of those same mugs, and I charged him $20. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was a, a beautiful, a beautifully vindictive story. I love it. Um, and he never ate their soup again. Yeah, that'll show him. He didn't want to ever give that $20 back. <laughs> uh, cheers, eh? Cheers, man. Good to see you. You as well. Mm-hmm. So we're here. I just realized that if we want to have a cool abbreviated name for our podcast, we could call it The Process. Oh, nice. Dude, did you, did you check out The Process last week? Oh, cool. Right? I don't know. 
supposed I, to have a, an abbreviation. We had been abbreviating the recordings, just the sort of acronym, the Wake TP. That's right. And I was going to print out a label and put it on some toilet paper <laughs> to give to you. I thought that would be a cool branding, too. That's great, yeah. It's, it's very, you know, toilet paper in this podcast. So for, those, for those of you who are listening and in the market for some medium-quality toilet paper, have we got the brand for you? Yeah. Wake TP. We'll do, it'll be, you know, questionable lead content, heavy bleached. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know toilet paper had a lead content. I mean, what doesn't, honestly? It's a good point. It's a good point. Superman's going to have trouble seeing through our toilet paper. (laughs) Uh, Good, so hey, so we're back, and and I I think you had the suggestion that we would begin today uh, by talking a little bit about the Oscars. Yeah, they just happened last night, is that right? We are recording this, uh, yes, the, the day after. Oscars occurred. Three weeks ago. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> By the time you're listening to this, it will be several years. But, uh, yeah, I watched uh, a decent amount. I think I watched, um, I might have watched two hours of it, actually. And my brother was here, and he wanted to watch. Two of the 12 total hours. Yeah, apparently it went on about three okay. total, which is which is moderate for the Oscars. Um, the way they kept the, t- the running time down, actually, is pretty interesting. Um, they cut out anything that might be worthwhile or entertaining. I heard there were no... I was just reading about it this morning because yeah. I thought you might be have something to say about it and how yeah. there was no uh, reels or montages or... There was just nothing. Yeah. There was just... Imagine if the Oscars <laughs> were just like a, a conference of salesmen getting together at a Hyatt somewhere in North Dakota... Imagine if it were just speeches by the regional manager. It was so bad. You would think now more than ever there would be more reason to have sort of off-site spectaculars, you know, pre-recorded footage, stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, um, yeah, there was there was nothing. There was nothing. They put all the money into Bitcoin <laughs> instead of yeah. production value. I feel like it might have been a, a better use of there. Yeah, it was really it was really hard to watch. It, it, it seemed small and pathetic. Uh, there was almost nobody there. Um, it, it was it was it was a downer. It was a real bummer and it it made me feel like this is the third year in a row they've had no host. Oh really? And it yeah, no host, and it made me feel like the Oscars are just over. Mm-hmm. Like they can try to bring it back next year, but I, I think maybe it's it's done. I used to love the Oscars. I used to live for it. I recall I as so children. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd put dad. on your tap shoes and your bow tie. Yeah, <laughs> I would reenact the ceremony the next morning. All Billy Crystal's best jokes. Uh, no, it used to be the most glamorous night of the year, and and uh, and it, it swept me away and. Boy, boy, looking at it now is like uh, looking at the face of a girl you once loved, just ravaged by syphilis and 95 years of oh, prostitution in the streets of Paris. <laughs> Part of it is definitely the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, that's The that's, what? Well, so I don't know if you've heard about the this blip? thing. So apparently some guy ate a bat in China, and things got worse from there. Uh, yeah... That's part of the problem, but it feels like that it could have it could have almost been more interesting or more enjoyable to sort of find a version of it that is kind of um, you know that is more intimate or or, or re- reimagined or maybe uses more zoom or remote technology. Uh, it was just a, a categorical failure, and apparently the whole thing was masterminded by Steven Soderbergh of all people, one of the greatest film directors of uh, of the modern day. Um, 
and it was it was painful. It was painful to watch. It was one of the least entertaining things I've ever seen. As I was reading the bio on it, or the blip, or whatever the blurb, um, the autobiography the Oscars wrote themselves. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, a thought did occur to me that maybe it was uh, something to do with people. Maybe people talking, like, I don't know, being around people, communicating. Maybe they were trying to make a statement about how much screen time we've had, and maybe they thought it would be cool to do it where it's all... It was just people... It was just the presenters speaking, right? That's what they... Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, part of me was like, oh, well, maybe they were trying to do something that was very human in contrast yeah. to, you know, the, the the Zoom Oscars or something like that. I mean, I think there's a version of that that could have been cool. I think if the vibe had been less uh, chain hotel convention center and more <laughs> nightclub, you know what I mean? Did it, it remind you of your road trip? It did. It was like, this This is what it's like to stay at a generic hotel in the middle of nowhere. So more nightclub? Yeah, imagine it if, it if it had been more like, you know, like the musical cabaret or like mm. Studio 54 or was it 52? Whatever, the studio number thing. Uh, <laughs> the Chicago 7. I yeah, if, if it had been more like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a version of it where you feel like you're in a nightclub in 1930s Berlin and that would be, uh, you know, it was just, probably it was just too, it was just too well lit, you know, like there's mm. the lights just, and again, this is filmmaking. The light just floods everything, and so there's no romance to it whatsoever. It's just like, oh, look, people sitting at tables on a carpet. That's a thing that you could watch on TV. I mean, I I want to romanticize Hollywood. I want to romanticize movies, so I'm a little bit of a sucker by nature for what they're selling. But the, the, the the longer I live and the more I know about the movie industry, the harder it is to romanticize it. Mm. Um, it's, it's so shallow and mercenary and pandering and self-congratulatory all the time, not just on Oscar night. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's getting harder and harder to feel like, we're in the business of making dreams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're mostly in the business of, uh, of crushing people's dreams and then trying to squeeze every penny out of people who have already succeeded in spite of them. Mm. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess I'm... It's almost as if getting older makes you bitter. Yeah, I don't want to be bitter. Neither do I, but it doesn't help me <laughs> to stop doing it. I don't want to be bitter. I want to, I want to believe. I want to be a romantic. I want to be sentimental. Uh, yeah, the, the world makes it hard sometimes. Yeah. The world makes it hard sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't even uh, participate in, in the uh, sort of behind the scenes. and uh, But I guess I'm sort of disenchanted with, you know human beings and they make the movies so yeah yeah I, I boy I so feel both ways about humanity I think I think human beings are beautiful and wonderful and amazing and falling so far short almost all the time of, mm. of our potential uh, so it's hard it's hard to know what to think about human beings um, let's call John Cleese <laughs> he, he has all the answers. He does. He knows. He knows what to think. Yeah, he doesn't seem bitter. Uh, he actually seems to be enjoying himself. He's 80 years old. He's talking constantly about how he'll die soon. And yet, he doesn't seem cynical. He doesn't seem nihilistic. He's cynical on certain 
topics for sure. Mm. But it doesn't seem to overemphasize that. So maybe we should all be more like John Cleese. I yeah, I think that's a true statement. That's the moral. No, I mean I think the 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 only answer is the only answer can possibly be you, you have to find a way to put your energy and your attention on the things that do inspire you and that, that do make you feel like um, you know life is worth living and people are good and progress is possible you've got to put your energy into those enterprises that are rewarding it and that's why I deleted my Twitter yeah I wanted to ask you about that but um, good for you yeah I mean primarily it's just because it was an enormous waste of time but it also gives you a very very bleak view of people to spend your time on Twitter yeah. So, you know, I try to stuff. steep myself in, in the physical reality more these days. Physical reality is hugely underrated. Mm. And it's something that we all we all could use more of. Um, I could actually feel just deleting Twitter, just that, just taking that one social network off the table. And I, I haven't even been on it for very long. I could feel like my mind expand. Like wow. the space in my head and the silence in my head expanded in this way that was incredibly joyful and liberating. Wow, good for you, man. Um, so I feel like I'm I'm taking baby steps back into the world. I feel like I've been, in some ways I've been underwater for quite a while, and I'm gradually clawing my way to the surface. And I recommend it. I, I recommend reality. Yeah, I feel that way too. I mean, I, I do keep myself to the sort of the, 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 try to keep myself to the real realm as much as I can, but I my 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 attempt is to try to reconnect with more uh, of, you know people around me and not yeah. be so guarded. Um, yeah, I think there are, there are numerous reasons to emphasize uh, meat space over cyberspace. Um, I think that the crucial one for me is time. I think the worst thing about social media and the internet is not that it gives you a dark view of humanity, which it does. <laughs> but wait, it gets worse. But, but that it, um, it telescopes time. You know, it, it kills time. Mm. When you turn off your phone or turn off your computer, the, the amount of life that you have in a given minute doubles or triples or quadruples. Yeah. Like suddenly a minute is so much longer and that's good. Yeah, that's great. You don't want to kill time. You actually want time to feel as long as it possibly can because it's all you have. Um, so I think that's the crucial reason. And of course the, the less time you spend distracting your brain or dulling your brain, the more able you are to sit in silence and sit in contemplation and maybe do nothing and just experience the fullness of each of each moment yeah and and you won't you'll have the time and you won't have that sort of negative noise that persists after you've even put the phone down exactly so you you're it's a two you're winning a a win-win there it took me a crazy amount of time in my life decades to understand that what you will find in your brain is what you have been putting into your brain yeah. If you spend all day thinking about superheroes, you'll wake up the next morning thinking about superheroes. If you spend all day in a fight on the internet, you'll wake up the next morning still in that fight on the internet. Mm. And one of those is preferable to the other. <laughs> Preach. 
the uh, fight, right? I mean, I don't know. It just depends on the individual, <laughs> I guess. It is fun to have fights on Twitter, at least some of the time. And you can even, occasionally, you can win. Uh, but then that's what your mind is. And it's what you'll talk about. There are no winners in internet fights. Well, yeah, no, not really, because we're all, we're all, if we were, if we were winners, we wouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, and then you find yourself, I find myself using w- those Twitter fights as a topic of conversation. And it's not like, it's not like it can't be interesting to recount an argument that you had on Twitter. Yeah, of course it can, it can be, be right? an entertaining. Yeah, or it can be entertaining, it can be funny. Embarrassing. You know, it, even occasionally, there's something sweet that happens on Twitter. But... It's pathetic if your main topic of conversation is, oh my god, the thing I just had on Twitter. It's, that's so stupid. That's so, it's so shallow. It's so dumb. It's not the person I want to be. Is that who you became? Yeah. You wow. asked my mom. <laughs> asked my mom. For weeks. For weeks, I would show up at breakfast, and I would be like, so guess what happened on Twitter? And she would very patiently, very kindly listen. And I would try to make it as entertaining as possible. Yeah. And it probably was decently entertaining. I mean, you do, you know. But is that what you want to talk about? You spin a good yarn. Thank you. I, I could listen to you whatever you're talking about. Thank you. I really appreciate it. But that. I admire you trying to, you know, reach for that fruit that is higher. Yeah. There is, there is fruit that is below us, and there is fruit that is above us. And the fruit that is below us is rotten and disgusting. <laughs> And the fruit that is above us <laughs> is harder to reach, but it, it has a lot more uh, nutrition. Yeah. And better taste. I'm feeling your vibe right now. Dude. I love it. <laughs> great. I, I feel like we started on the Oscars, and now we're on to, I don't know, we're on to, like, the stuff of existence. Yeah, if, if the Oscar statue had, like, a third eye on its <laughs> forehead, that's where we've... Is it possible that every statue in the world, every Oscar statue in existence, actually sprouted a third eye while we were talking? I think so. Is it possible that Anthony Hopkins is in London right now going, Oh, that's odd. Where did that come from? It's like, my heart! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tony. I'm just just joking. To be clear, we hope that he does not die of a heart attack today. Uh, but, uh, But if he did, at least that would be a better story than... Well, no. It's all a good story. Him, him getting the award that was meant for someone else is actually a great story. So, we're thrilled. It's all good. It's all good, and we hope he doesn't die. <laughs> Old white men, do it again. <laughs> Too I mean, far. I, I think that was a little bit the, the, the vibe. Obviously, like, he's a phenomenal actor. He's one of the best ever, and I'm sure he's great in that movie. And mm. I'll, I'll probably watch that movie at some point. Um, but it is funny that, uh, that it was the old white man. Uh, when that was what was not what was intended. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we uh, should we segue into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or should we just keep living in this moment? Because this moment, this is your whole life. It, you know? I think I just uh, my mom's calling me. <laughs> I, have to, I have to go. All right, fair enough. Nice but, talking to you. Um, no, you know, and I'm glad we had this moment because I've 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 been enjoying our sort of media rambles, but I have been missing our sort of deeper truths yeah. talk. Well, one of the earliest pieces of feedback we got on the podcast was that the that sense of like our personal stories and our philosophical musings mm. that that was just as important as the media, and we have not been leaning into that at all. Well, we're back, baby. I guess we're back. Yeah. I guess, Nicole, we're back. Nicole, we took your note just very, very late. We'll email you and tell you which episode to tune back in for. <laughs> it's 11. Is this 11? Yeah. Oh, my God. Episode 11. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. And, I, and I mentioned this to you 
offline, but I'll say it in front of the microphone. People are listening to this podcast. So I thought our whole audience was uh, people who follow me on Facebook because I post the link to every new episode on Facebook. Mm. Um, you know, that's my that's my biggest social media platform. And uh, and I thought, okay, well, that's that's the boost. That's the only way to boost it. But the last episode, because I was posting about something else on Facebook, I I delayed sharing the link on Facebook. And by the time I'd shared it, 30 people had pressed play on that episode just by virtue of my having posted it on SoundCloud. And I guess it getting propagated to Apple and uh, yeah. to tune in. So people are somehow listening to this. And I don't, I guess it's people who, probably people that we know who now get an update through the RSS feed or something. I don't know how it works. Well, I mean, if you subscribe to a podcast, it lets you know when the new episode comes out. Right. Without, without you know, the, so the robots. So infer that do. people have subscribed to our podcast. That would be the only guess. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so cool. 30 people is a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, great. That's they, more than who were at the Oscars. They, that is, yeah. It's, <laughs> they had 24 at the Oscars, so it's close. Um, yeah, that feels really good. And, yeah. And, I, you know, especially because I'll share the link on uh, Facebook and then I'll get, like, sometimes it's one like on that post or I think this last one I got six, you know, something. All right. And so it feels a little pathetic uh, just in terms of the response. But part of me is like, oh, well, great, well, I can stop. I can stop sharing the link on Facebook or I can just share occasionally when I feel like yeah, it. Yeah, or you could just share it and not ever think of it again. Yeah. But that feels, that feels kind of good. feel we're at a crossroads. Do you want to discuss the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Let's do it. I mean, it just it just finished up. That's right. So, yeah, we had the last episode, yep, episode the, number six. The f- final. Right. As they say. That's correct. The finale. <laughs> uh, finally. The finally. Yeah, they had the finally. Um, and, well, I mean, why don't you, why don't you kick us off? What, was, what were your reactions? Well, let's see. We, we... The last time we met, there were, we had done, there were two episodes that played since we last met, is that right? I think maybe it's three. God, we're so on top of this. Wait, hold on. No, 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 I think you're right, I think it's two, because, should I try to remember? Episode one was the two of them separately, introducing them in their lives. Yep. Episode two... They got together, they flew off to Europe, they fought the Flag Smashers. Mm-hmm. Episode three was when they broke Zemo, oh, spoilers, uh, they broke Zemo out of prison. And went to Madripoor. And went to, is that the same episode? They broke him out and they went to Madripoor? Because if so... Then there was three. Then there have been three since the last time we spoke. Mm. I think that might be right. So, Right. Well, we don't have to do the play-by-play <laughs> here, but um, um, there was sort of there there was there was some different arcs that went on. I really thought um, my feeling that the uh, that the Walker Captain America, the dark place he was going to, was going to go even further. Yeah, um, which I had sort of been every you know we talked about when he appeared he looked like a villain and I right. was sort of hoping for that and you had told me that in the comics that didn't happen so that probably wouldn't happen but I was sort of still hoping that he would go I'm sorry that I off the deep end which it. he did 
Yeah. He lost it and murdered that dude with the shield. Yeah. I don't know if murder is the right word. I mean, the guy was just laying there and he beat his face to death with it, presumably. He definitely killed him. <laughs> 100% He was like, killed him. <laughs> I surrender. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert in war crimes or anything. But it seems to me if you're fighting a terrorist, it's it's just by definition it's a fight to the death. Someone's mm-hmm. gonna get killed, right? And and then if you have him helpless and he surrenders, you shouldn't kill him. That's that's wrong, and mm-hmm. you shouldn't do it. But I don't know if that qualifies as murder exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a legal expert. Yeah. Well, he went to a very dark place. He did go to a very he dark was, place. He was he was he was. He tried to kill Sam. Yeah, that's it's yeah, it got it got really dark. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the end of the show he was partially re- he remains an ambiguous yeah, figure throughout. But he sort of he showed up in the in the finale and it was like, "Oh, everything's cool, guys, right? Let's fight together." And that was a little disappointing for me. Okay. I I thought the show was fine, but I just just more coffee. Sure. Yeah. I did think the finale kind of was too punctuated by the episode. Like, the, the the episode before was another sort of sentimental one, I think. Yeah. Sam was going back to the boat with his family. Right. It was a good episode, you know. Like Bucky came down to help them with the boat. Yeah, there were some nice character moments. There was stuff going on, and then... All of a sudden, their army friend was like, hey, we figured out how to predict these attacks, which we could never do. And all of a sudden, everyone knows what's going on, and they all just meet for one final throwdown. Yeah. Uh, in sort of the, the last episode was, was action-packed. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. A lot of great scenes. But it felt too much to me like the show just kind of switched gears. Yeah. They're like, this is our personal gear, and this is our action gear, and the two didn't really mix yeah. very well. I sort of felt like the show was reinventing itself with every new episode. And the first half of the season, I found that exciting, like mm. not knowing what the story was, yeah. not knowing where it was going. Um, so episode three, where Zemo comes in, he, he's such a dominant force in that episode. You feel like, oh my god, the whole game has changed. They spring him out of prison. He's so manipulative. He's so brilliant. Uh, and potentially so evil. You feel like, wow, this is, you know, now we're in a whole new situation. You yeah. Know? And it was exciting. Um, and then increasingly as the season went on and started to conclude, I felt like, oh, the show's not all over the place because they're trying to keep you guessing. The show's all over the place because they don't really know mm. what. It's about, and I think Zemo is really symptomatic of that. Ultimately, that story, you know, he's like a massive presence in episode three and four, uh, and the actor does a phenomenal job, and the character's yeah. so iconic from the comic comics, and they were bringing him so much closer to that iconic comic book characterization, which we talked about before, which was cool and exciting, and it really felt like he was shaping up to be the big villain, and then <laughs> he's just unceremoniously he's just gone. Yeah. Then it's like, oh well, I guess. I guess he'll just quietly go away to prison for some reason. <laughs> I, it, it was it was it was hugely disappointing and hugely anticlimactic. They built him up only to break him down for for reasons that were not clear. And it felt like the whole show was like that. The whole show was introducing things that they didn't really intend to pay off. It was like it was there was 
it was like rapid fire cameos of sort of bringing people from the cinematic universe in. Right. Agent Carter, Zemo, the Wakandans, but to a point where they're all kind of insignificant instead of really incorporating into the story. Yeah, I, look, I think if you don't want Zemo to be a major player in your story, you have to keep him present. There's a way to do that, right? There's a way for Zemo to have actually quite a small cameo and still be a cool, interesting character, right? If they don't break him out of prison. If they go and they consult with him and he says some weird, creepy stuff and maybe gives them a lead or maybe undermines their confidence, that could be his whole role in the show. I think that would work. Yeah. Once they've broken him out of prison, that's a whole, like, that has to change things. But it doesn't. Mm. It doesn't actually change anything in the long term. It's just kind of a distraction from the main story, which is about fighting the Flat Smashers. And I, I feel like there was this, there was this repeated problem where the, the writers didn't know how things were landing with the audience. So, like, Carly Morgenthau is the leader of the Flag Smasher. She ends up being the main villain. Mm-hmm. And they kept telegraphing to us that we were supposed to find her sympathetic. And Sam finds her sympathetic to an absurd degree. To, like, a, like a genuinely... Like, to the point where he's... You know, she's threatening his sister. She's threatening to kill his sister, who's a total <laughs> civilian and not involved in this fight at all. And he's like, Carly's misunderstood. And you're like, no, she's not. Yeah, what was their relationship? Why... I have no idea. I mean, I guess because she was relatively young and female, he felt like she was just a lost soul rather than a ruthless terrorist. And she's a ruthless terrorist. And sure, early on, maybe we don't know that. But as the show progresses, we know that. She definitely goes there, yeah. She absolutely goes there in ways that are that are basically unpardonable. And the show kept trying to sell her as somehow a tragic or sympathetic figure. And I guess she is tragic in the sense that she's had a hard life and... She made terrible choices as a result of terrible circumstances. But, you know, she's not that likable, and she's also not that admirable. So there was a lot of time spent trying to humanize this person who's not not like a fully rounded character and not nearly as sympathetic as we were being told she was. Um, so that's frustrating. Uh, and there was an awful lot of... an awful lot of the politics of the show was in that category of just trust us on this. Like the whole <laughs> the whole politics of repatriation after the blip, it's just not explained adequately for us to have any opinion on it or any stake in it. Right? We know there are these refugee camps and we know that there's an effort to return people to their countries of origin. And that there's resistance to that effort. But where are our sympathies in that? You know, the the one of the climactic moments of the last episode is Sam lecturing the the GRC, the Global Repatriation Committee. Yeah, lecturing the, them about all oh, they yeah, need the to be Senator their responsibilities, and they you know you got you got to be you know be human, and you got to man up. And you, this speech goes on forever. Like, yeah, it's really, really, really long, and it's a lot of kind of generic flowery rhetoric. W- what was that about? What does he actually want them to do logistically? He doesn't want them to proceed with their repatriation plan, but what's the alternative? Where are those? you know, three billion people going to go. Okay, so repatriation is no longer on the table. So what? What are we just going to try to get Thanos to snap them out of existence again? Or, like, what are they going to do? Yeah, it seemed like the show was trying to present, you know, both sides of the coin, but it didn't really do either to a point where, where like you said, we're just supposed to accept that there's this more complicated issue and people have different opinions on it. Right. And that... Yeah, that's a thing. 
But I don't think that's enough to to put into the show to just have us accept that, yeah, issues have different opinions. Right. And people in government should, you know, think about people's opinions. Right. If the premise is this would be a complicated logistical and ethical challenge, I agree. If the premise is people would have legitimate disagreements about how to go about it, I totally endorse that. Yeah. But if you're expecting us to care about it as a situation with dramatic stakes, you need it to feel concrete Mm. to us. You need us to see what that effort would look like if they went through with it, or what it would look like not to go through with it, or what the alternatives are, if the story's about that. And apparently it is. So do they go into that at all in Endgame? It's Endgame where people just reappear, is that right? It's the end of Endgame okay. when people reappear. So is, no, the first... Is it mostly in WandaVision where we see the reappearing? Was that right? Well, we, we see people come back in Endgame, but right. we don't see the aftermath until Spider-Man Far From Home. Ah, so I have not seen that. Which is, which is very good. One of the best Marvel movies. Wow. Um, and they do deal with the aftermath of the blip, but not in a kind of big picture policy way. It's more like, oh, it's so weird. Our classmate who vanished is back, and we're all five years older. He keeps asking me and for he's my the notes. Same age. <laughs> <laughs> notes from the last five years. Yeah, they, they they sort of play it more, you know, as a as human drama and human comedy. Yeah. Um, they don't really delve into. Uh, you know, the larger implications. Yeah, so in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, they go into the... They do brief shots in the sort of refugee hostel or whatever it is, and but they don't really dive into it. I mean, like I'm not even could've. sure there was a clear distinction you know, between the, the two displaced groups, right? There's the group of people who are displaced because they vanished mm-hmm. for five years. And then there's the group of people who were displaced when those people return. And I'm not sure that distinction was was really all that... I mean, it's there. The distinction is there, right? But I'm not sure it was always all that clear. Like, wait, which refugees? The refugees who came back or the refugees threatened by the people coming back? Those are two groups at odds with each other. But they're both refugees, right? So, so... <laughs> You just need to think about it, man. Right. And do better. There's a there's a lot of work that the audience is being asked to do to fill in the blanks of this backstory. And we're meant to believe that the stakes of those choices are, are really high and really relevant to the show. It's not just in the background. It's it's from Sam, right? Sam giving this long speech. Long speech. And saying basically almost nothing. Um and I, I don't know, I kind of feel like the racial themes of the show were, were the same story a little bit. Like, that, that story of, you know, what does it mean for a black man to put on the costume of Captain America, that was clearer. It was sharper mm-hmm. than the repatriation story. It still felt pretty broad strokes. Mm. It felt like a lot of rhetoric... And yeah, the, in the in the person of Isaiah Bradley, right, the original black super soldier, in his character there was a very clear personal urgency and emotion to that question, like what does the stars and stripes mean, because of the experiences that he had, had right. So in, in him it was a very vivid issue, and his stance made perfect sense, as mm-hmm. Sam says, right. If I'd been through what he went through, I'd feel the same way. Yeah. 
Um, but as far as Sam's perspective, we don't we don't have that. We we get Isaiah Bradley's view of what it would mean for a black man to put on the stars and stripes. Sam doesn't. Sam doesn't seem to have a clear position on on what it represents. Or, or I mean, I mean, he does say to Isaiah. I think in in the in the last scene they're in together about how all the things that had that he had been through and um, had sort of been part of building the country into what it is now. Right. And so that that work put in was enough reason for him to sort of take pride in that as part of the country. Right. Instead of it being sort of um, um, a side note to it that it was, like, in the bones, and so that he would be willing to fight for the country. But that's a good line, right? He says something with the effect of... Much better than what I just said. Well, a little better. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to get it quite right either. But it's it's something like, we built this country, we suffered for this country, nobody's going to tell me I can't fight for this country. Yep. So you're right. You're right. In I that did moment, say it better. You're right. Your version was better. <laughs> uh, in that moment... Yes, that that feels that feels like a stance. That that right? was that was the moment where I sort of felt like it, it it was it was a solid moment explaining himself. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that that felt that felt real and and meaningful. Um but one one like poignant line is not, you know, enough to not make up for what might be weak in a lot of other parts of the show. Well, I guess part of the problem is we didn't have the sense, or at least I didn't have the sense, that Sam's reluctance to take up the mantle had a lot to do with race. Uh, no, I thought it was out of respect for for Captain America that right. he didn't want that it was his shield, and he didn't want he didn't think he should have it, not over race, but um, just because he didn't think anyone should have. Yeah, he felt like Steve was was unrepeatable and unique. And, you know, he, when he, when Steve hands him the shield, he says it feels like it belongs to someone else. Mm. Um, so maybe that's part of the issue that I have is the the objection that Sam w- was able to overcome Isaiah's objection didn't seem to be the same as as his objection that gave that led him to give it up in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I guess it got a little. It felt like it got a little bit muddled there. I mean, it may have been to the point where um, it was he didn't in the beginning he didn't expect them to give it to someone else he expected it to go on display but maybe now that he knows that they want someone to have this right he he gets to a point well if someone's going to have it it may as well be me yeah so that sort of would explain why he changed his mind if you know they don't want to he doesn't want them to give it to some other crazy football and Yahoo. Well, and it actually, it actually reminds me of arguments that I've had myself um, because I think there, there are people who feel like, I think, I'm going to get into the politics of this a little bit. Let's do it. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) There are people who feel like the whole notion of American patriotism 
has is, is either kind of fundamentally corrupt to begin with, or has been co-opted and corrupted uh, by I don't know racists and and xenophobics and uh, and jingoists, right, and, and people who are patriotic in a, in a really simplistic and flag waving and kind of whitewashing sort of way. And so I know people who are uncomfortable uh, saying anything patriotic about America or, or even anything positive about America. Like, they feel like they, they don't have a right to do that. And, and I, I'm always trying to say, like, why, if you disagree with those people, if you think their values are anathema, why are you letting them determine the meaning of these incredibly powerful symbols like the American flag? Mm. Why, why let your enemies or, or people whose ideology you find abhorrent, why let them define that symbol that has meant so many different things to so many different people, some good, some bad? You know, of course there are genuine reasons to uh, be suspicious of America and American patriotism and America's role in the world, but the flag is also a symbol of hope for a lot of people and a symbol of a, a, a brighter tomorrow and a symbol of a symbol of a kind of idealized America that has never existed but maybe could exist or maybe exists just as a concept to help us move forward, to help us be inspired to make things better. I, I you know, I feel like, the yeah, the flag and Captain America and the whole concept of America itself, all of that can, it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Um, but it's, but it's worth, it's worth not giving up on. It's, it's worth, uh, I don't know, fight, metaphorically fighting for it. Maybe literally fighting for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate when, when the worst people sort of dictate how things are going, hmm. um, and how... A lot of things become just reactionary to that, right? And people get so you know it's uh, we've seen it so much over the past handful of years uh, that it shouldn't be that way. You know, it shouldn't be that things are so polarized. You know, because because people are so upset with each other, and this is yours and this is ours. Um, and I hate that mentality. Yeah. Um, I. Um, I'm not much of a, a, a flag waver, but I do definitely agree that um, these these icons are misused and co-opted, and a lot of things are, and it's it's um, it's uh, it's upsetting. Um, it would be great for people to sort of be able to rise above that and realize that you know just because some idiot uses a phrase or an icon it, it doesn't make it theirs well there was a really interesting moment uh, this is five years ago now but the the national conventions of 2016 Donald Trump was the Republican nominee and his rhetoric was was pretty anti-American right he said make America great again and it, implicit in that was the idea that America now isn't great, that America has fallen, that America is weak and humiliated. Uh, so, so a lot of his rhetoric was, was anti-patriotic or unpatriotic. And the Democrats did, uh, for the first time in my memory, they did move in and reclaim at their convention 
a positive vision of America and what it means and what it represents in the world. They were actually notably patriotic at their national convention, which I thought was was exciting. Right? Mm-hmm. That it was the kind of unapologetic, uh, you know, I guess romanticism that Democrats often seem to shy away from and and just let Republicans own. And I thought it was pretty cool to see to see them starting to claim some of that some of that rhetoric. That Obviously, cool. they lost the election, uh, <laughs> so so there is that uh, that fact to contend with. But I felt like that was pointing in a in a really positive direction. You know, and, you know like I'm not I'm not speaking as a Democrat, um, but just as someone who would to, to whom the flag is meaningful and to whom America is meaningful and who who would like to see. You know, I'd like to see the best version of America flourish and grow and be actualized. And I don't think that starts with repudiating everything about our traditions and our past. It certainly could involve a reckoning with the sins of our past. Uh, but I don't think you start by, by throwing it all away. <laughs> I don't think you start from scratch. Uh, I don't think it makes sense to start from scratch. Like, so much about this country is is amazing and worth saving and worth protecting at all costs is my personal opinion I'm just waiting for uh, the area where we live to be uh, rezoned as the uh, um, the uh, western Atlantic Amazon <laughs> trade zone oh is that what's happening yeah yeah so then so then does that mean that we pledge our allegiance to Jeff Bezos instead of or whoever is the CEO. Oh, that's right. He stepped down, didn't he? I don't yeah. know. I don't know who the new CEO of Amazon is. Yeah. Well, when he when he wasn't when he became not the richest man in the world anymore. He, <laughs> I'm out, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Like through, stupid. Through a tantrum. <laughs> yeah. Who could blame him? That's a hard moment. Yeah. So there's tough times all around. <laughs> Everybody's having a hard time. You guys, even Jeff Bezos is really struggling. Drop him a line if you can. Shoot him a postcard. He's earned it. Uh, yeah. So that show. A, a lot of good, a lot to like about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a romp, it's not really my thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, great production value, as we've said several times. Yep. You know, the action is great. If, yep. if, if it doesn't fall short of the, the sort of entertainment quality... Of the sort of Marvel universe, I think that's true. In just in terms of, um, you know, if you're not nitpicking it and, and and worrying about, you know, who wrote this monstrosity, um, I think it's fine. Yeah, as entertainment, it is. It's very slick and very capable, and it's it's worthy of the MCU brand. But I I was hoping for a lot more. First three episodes, I was pretty all in. I was pretty sold. Yeah. And I was really hoping they would stick the landing. And uh, it just felt like they weren't, they weren't willing to follow through on, on all of the interesting uh, narrative avenues yeah. they had opened up. I think I, it, I, I sort of saw it coming in the episode when they went to Madripoor. I had this feeling. I was like, oh, man, this is, this is building. Mm. And by the end of the episode, I had lost that feeling. Yeah. And then it just, that feeling sort of continued through. Like, and that third episode, things were really ramping up, and I was like, oh man, is this show going to be insane? 
And then, no, it just sort of stayed the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it does feel like a movie that that was stretched out into six episodes. And in stretching it out, they compromised the structure. Right? So a movie has a clean, clear build between the three acts, and this didn't have that. It had a sort of stop-and-start rhythm. Yeah. But it also didn't have self-contained stories within the episodes. And so it was like an episodic movie with a lot of the like, deleted scenes kept in. <laughs> do you think, and I, I've been wondering this, do you think a lot of the problems with a show like this is, like, canon problems? That they can't move the characters too much without, because it's, they still want to do that mostly in the movies? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think WandaVision actually did advance her character quite a bit. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I had my issues with that show. I'm not, I'm not really convinced it's any better than Falcon and Winter Soldier, but... Uh, I mean, if you look at the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it feels like stuff is happening, but at the end, everything's sort of back to the way it was. I mean, obviously, the Falcon's character is sort of brought into the Captain America character. That's a big change. Right. But he's in terms of where the pieces are on the board, everything sort of goes back. Like their characters have changed. Yeah. But in terms of where they are in response to whatever comes in the cinematic universe next, they're sort of still in the same place. Yeah, and, and gosh, I mean, even Falcon becoming Captain America, <laughs> is that a big change? Like he went from a superhero with wings. Uh, you know, fighting terrorism across the world to a superhero with wings and a shield fighting terrorism across the world. Yeah, there's a lot of symbolic weight to the shield and the patriotic costume, which frankly looks a lot goofier than his old costume. Uh, Yeah, so he's now the white Captain America (laughs) and Walker is the black Captain America. Wow, you're right. Because he got the black uniform. You're right, the white guy's in black and the black guy's in white. Interesting. Interesting. I take it back. The show is blowing my mind. It is brilliant, you guys. Check it out. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not I'm not convinced that even Sam changed all that much. Like I guess he's a little more self-confident at the end of the show, but he didn't really seem to lack self-confidence before, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's a new costume. Uh, you know, the name is important, yeah. and it's great that he has that, and he seems like a worthy successor, but is it a big change? No, I was trying to be generous. <laughs> I think I am too much, but... No, I mean, it's possible that I'm being too negative. I, I definitely talked a lot more about what I didn't like in the show than about what I did like. Yeah, I don't but think... I'm did you like anything? Yeah. I mean, our fans want to know. <laughs> I, I love Sebastian Stan as Bucky. Yeah. I think that character is great. Let's talk about Agent Carter. Oh. What do you think about that? Her character? Yeah. And her, so, so the last time we met, they had left it on a cliffhanger. She'd got in the car. Oh, yeah. And made a phone call. And right. Said, we have a problem. And so at the end, you know, I don't need to say spoiler alert because we've spoiled right. everything. She turns <laughs> out to be the power broker. Right. This enigmatic character in the sort of mercenary weapon yeah. stealing world. Yeah, and I think that is the Power Broker is a comic book character mm. and it's it's a person who sells 
both powers and equipment to supervillains. Okay. Uh, so I think the premise is that she set herself up in business to provide people with enhancements or special weapons yeah. that make them supervillains. Or so, maybe just to be generous, maybe superhumans more generally. Okay. Um, yeah, so it seems like they're setting her up to be, at best, a kind of anti-hero and maybe a villain. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't... I don't know if I remember her character well enough from the previous Captain America movies mm. to have a clear sense of like whether this is earned or whether it's a I had, organic part of her arc. I had just rewatched um, the Winter Soldier. Ah, um, I should have probably done that when we started doing the sort of Marvel talks because I, I had seen it um, when it came out, and um, she, she's she has a character in it, but I mean it's not. There isn't much there for depth. Right. And when she pops into this show, it was sort of just... I sort of just felt like they were doing cameos. Yeah. You know, like, here's a character from the movie. This show is a big deal. Right. Uh, just from the movie. Um, but um, it seems like they're leading that into something into the future. Yeah. Either into the next film or into another season of the show i don't know yeah i don't uh, oh yeah apparently they're talking about both so they're they confirmed that there will be a captain america 4 mm-hmm. and that sam wilson will be captain america in captain america 4 and then they've also been talking about a second season of the show which is interesting i don't know how that fits in to the plans um so the movie's confirmed it'll be the same writer as the show uh and then maybe there'll be a season two as well I don't have strong feelings about Karen Carter <laughs> at all. I, I feel like I feel like that actress does a totally decent job. I don't really like her her look. I just don't. She just looks like a generic pretty girl. Yeah, and and I don't like not too hot. Yeah, like obviously attractive, but like not cast like. To, well, like the, to the sort of look like someone who could be a little bit rough and tumble if she needed to be. I guess in, I don't know in the modeling scene. Right. Yeah, she's the most rough and tumble model on yeah. the catwalk. In the, in <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, to she's take... not a zero. <laughs> uh, stone her to death. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you contrast her with Haley Atwell, who plays Peggy Carter, right? The the uh, the great aunt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Agent Carter TV show, which I never saw. Um, Haley Atwell is beautiful in a really striking and particular way. Mm. She looks like a very specific person. Uh, Emily Van Camp, not not uh, not as much. Mm. So I, I just feel like it's a case where she's totally capable and she's fine, but you don't you don't buy into the reality of that character. She doesn't stop being an actress playing a role. If that makes mm. any, I don't think it's her fault. Yeah. I just think the casting isn't great. So I kind of don't care. Yeah, I was just thinking that her character seemed maybe was the only one who actually did a pivot, right? Of character, so right. Whereas when she left the Captain America film, she was an agent of Shield, right? And now she's coming in to be some sort of villain. Maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, let, let's say she's definitely more interesting now uh, as a villain or a morally ambiguous character than she was as the sort of sidekick love interest. So. So yeah, and the fact that the fact that it is a plot thread that can lead on into something else that will probably be season two. 
right. of the show. The film will probably be something more heavy hitting. Okay, yeah. And then season two, they'll bring her as, the as the villain. Yeah. Or, or then, at least feeding into whoever the villain that gets their ass kicked is. Right, and then there's conflict because Sam and Bucky like her and care about her and she loved Steve and Steve and loved Sam, her. Sam, she's just misguided. <laughs> That's going to be Sam's line about everyone. Thanos is going to come back, and Sam's going to be like, let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. I can talk to him. I know these guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, fine. Yeah, if she's the villain in season two, fine. Uh, that seems fine. Uh, I think we're about time to wrap up. you have any final thoughts or reflections? Um, well, I wanted to talk about our episode 12. Episode 12. Oh, are yeah. we doing like a big anniversary? Thing? I think we should. I think we should do a, 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 a finally... A season, <laughs> a season finally. Okay, all right. Um, and I thought we could maybe do some just sort of uh, rapid fire topics. Okay. Just what if we brought each brought in like a list of ten things. Okay. With no plan to cover them all. Oh, okay. And yep. we just and we just sort of go for it. So does it? Does that mean there's no there's no homework? There's no like you have to bone up on this subject. Correct. The homework would just be to come up with. And, and to come back, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, to try to access, you know, our, our, our personal feelings. Yeah. You know, and it could be just about the podcast. I think it would be really fun to actually reflect on the podcast yeah. itself. The podcast, ourselves, yeah. friends and family, we could phone out, we could have a guest, Yeah. whatever, no promises on any of that. <laughs> um, None of this is uh, contractual. None of this is legally binding. Um, but I was just thinking we could... We could uh, but there could also be a recommendation, you know, or talk about something. And we'll talk about the podcast, and we'll talk about life and art, and uh, maybe we'll have a guest, and maybe we won't. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Uh, thank you all for listening. We love you. Uh, especially those of you who have subscribed and don't need to be reminded. And if you don't subscribe to us, at least subscribe to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're pretending we have a sponsorship with Disney+. Plus. I'm waiting for us to get hired to uh, host the next Oscars. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, at this point, they can't fall any lower, so why Wait, not? I'm waiting for that car call, Gary Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman? He was nominated for Best Actor. Oh, was he? Oh, for Mank. Can you believe that? I love that guy. I love that guy, too, and I actually want to see Mank. That's one of the few movies that I really want to see. Let's really watch it. Watch. Let's watch it. Let's watch Mank. All right, everybody. Watch Mank. Be good. Be safe. We love you. This is Will and Keith. Embrace the... Ah, oh, shit. The, the, <laughs> this is Will and Keith. Embrace, embrace the, the process. process.